Welcome to Sticks and Taps, where the conversation is hockey and the keg is always cold. The games will be on soon, so let's step up to the bar, grab a pint, get into it. Your host, Paul Cuthbert and Liam McGuire. Slanta, fellas, and don't forget to pay your tabs. Bobby Jesus there, Seamus, thank you so much for that introduction. And we always pay our tabs. Still covering Liam's bloody drinking problem. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sticks and Taps, everybody. It is Thursday, March 26th, two weeks into the full quarantine of the world here, but we're we're making the best of it. Paul Cuthbert here, yours truly, and everybody say hello to Mr. Liam McGuire. Liam, how's she going? How's she going, Polly? How's she going? I don't have a problem, buddy. I drink, I get drunk, I fall down. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll tell you, it's, it's all fun and games until the until the uh, the storage runs out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we had a we had a mild heart attack here in uh, in Ontario uh, a few days back when um, when the premier of Ontario said he was going to uh, instruct all non-essential businesses to shut down, and some people surmised, is he possibly talking about our beer and liquor stores? <laughs> it was a, a wave of panic that shot across the province. <laughs> There are lineups that was, oh, it was crazy. And then everyone, then he, he assuaded everybody's fears and said, no, no, for God's sake, we know that's essential. <laughs> it is. It was some big bold letters down here in New York, too. <laughs> Liquor stores and bars will be open for pickup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you can imagine them all sitting there, right? They're leaning them in the, in the meetings, right? What, what are we going to allow and keep? What are we going to oh, take know. away? Oh, don't take away the liquor. We gotta keep them happy. <laughs> this goes longer. Oh my God! Hey, if if you thought there was a riot over toilet paper, <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet, man. You try and shut down booze. Look out! Holy oh. cow! We'll make the Walking Dead look like a choir boy convention. <laughs> <laughs> oh, be Jesus! I hope we don't get there now. <laughs> no, I know. You know. So Who the hell knows where we're going? I know. What's the mood up there, man? I mean, uh, obviously we are a, uh, a hockey slash Irish theme show here, and we've got uh, yeah. lots to do and, and, and talk about as far as, you know, what we're going to be uh, talking about here today. But uh, just in general, you know, the league is, is canceling more stuff. And, uh, you know, I don't know what kind of daily reports you get up there, but down here, you know, we're basically, you know, kept in tune here with the governor, at least here in New York, doing a hell of a job. But uh, I don't think this is going to be uh, – a short-term thing, unfortunately, and uh, I think it's going to go a little longer. Does any, anybody, are you guys up there kind of letting that sink in? Because I think, you know, for me personally, I'm letting that sink in. This is going to go past April, May, maybe into June, and, and maybe beyond the summer. Yeah, I, I think you and I have discussed it, Paulie, and I know of a, I have on other podcasts that I've been guesting on, and I I think hockey's done for the for this season. I don't see any type of reclamation project possible. I really don't. I, I mean, to me, I think they're the integrity of being able to play, hopefully, a full season next year without any any shortening of, of uh, you know, trying to t- take out the bye week, take out, you know, what do, do a number of different things just to make sure you get 82 games and a full playoff in. I think that's more paramount than trying to certainly finish this regular season. To me, that's the least of the things that that's probably in the docket. And then trying to have a Stanley Cup is obviously significant. There's no question. I mean, nobody wants to have this roll out, even though it's been 101 years as well discussed now since the um, cessation of the Stanley Cup playoffs in 1919. 
But I think it's done. I, I do. And, and really, you know, the, the story that's emerged in the last 24 to 48 hours is some cockamamie idea about uh, having uh, the NHL um, uh, draft be decided by the non-playoff teams playing in, a, in some sort of mini tournament or something. Or, you know, there's a number of different things that are being floated around. Seems like if not every day, then every week as to what may or may not be a solution to uh, to either do the draft. The NHL awards now have been canceled, so they'll probably just be handled out electronically. And as you say, that's a late June thing. So, so I don't know, buddy. I, I'm I you know I'm of the mind that we're done and we'll get something. Uh, hopefully, when the world comes up for air at some point here in the next uh, sixty to ninety days, I, I I don't see I don't see how anything anything at all can change inside of sixty days. I I really can't. I mean, the numbers are going to continue to go up. So how do you get back to any type of normalcy until you've stunted the numbers? And and I, I just can't I, I just can't see it. So yeah, I think we're we're we're, uh, we're we've come to grips with that up here from a sporting point of view. I think. And uh, I mean, this was supposed to be baseball's opening day, was it not? I believe so. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I think so. Week. So yeah. So no, you know, everything's off the table, brother. I think and. Uh, uh, really, it's just uh, safety first, you know, as we say sometimes jokingly, but in this case here, uh, seriously. And, um, you know, I mean, still got to go to the grocery stores. I had to pick up my my truck at the, the garage the other day. It broke down, you know. Well, I was in the garage for an hour. There were guys streaming in and out of there. Uh, you know, like you, you can't just run away to the other side of the garage anytime someone comes through the door. So, yeah. I, you know, I was in proximity a few times, a few different guys, and I don't think anything jumped from their jacket or their breath onto me and I'm going to die in six weeks. Like it's, uh, I'm being a little facetious and I'm not trying to undermine the seriousness, but I, I do think that there's a certain level of common sense that has to take place too. But for the most part, I'd say the overwhelming majority of people are, are adhering to that. But uh, in terms of sports, that's a back burner thing right now. And, and there's nothing we can do. I, I, I just think they've just got to focus on getting next year in, in uh, totality and, and writing this year off. I, I mean, hey, look, if they want to roll out a Stanley Cup playoff in August and September and start the regular season in October, I'm all in. But, you know, you, you're going to have to have some sort of camp. These guys just can't roll out and just uh, and just be parachuted into game, meaningful games. Yeah. So you're going to need at least at least two two weeks minimum, I would think. You've, they're, they're scattered all over the world now back home, so... I don't know, brother. That's the yeah. way I see it. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people realize, think that about training camp and getting the guys back into shape and basically just getting back on the horse again, too. So that's important. Yeah, no, it's uh, it is what it is. And like I said, they're not the league isn't going to do anything until the officials say it's okay to do this and do that and uh, so on and so forth. So everybody, buckle up, hang in there, and uh, we'll just keep busy. We'll keep talking. We'll keep uh, trying to keep ourselves sane, and we'll go on from there. Hey, look, Liam. Outside of um, I, I noticed you're doing some video and and um. You've been talking about um, the the name. Just mention the uh, the transcript for the movie you're working on as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, first of all, just the video. Uh, started doing that four or five days ago. You know, I had plans to do a um, a vlog, I guess, which is what you call sort of on camera type of of, uh, of podcast, a vlog. I think I'm using the right term. Um, and um, we did some demos. The third one, which I really liked, and I had secured a couple sponsors, and we were on the hunt for a third, possibly a fourth, get ready to launch it when all this happened. And I just said, well, I want to keep a little sharp on camera, do a little thing. I'll just piggyback off of this day in hockey. It's a no-brainer. So 
going through the dates, picking out the things that I know, and then trying to add a little bit different. And they're short. They're like 10, 12 minutes and um, just roll it out there. So I've been doing those daily. Just started four or five days ago and having some fun with those. I post them on social media. I call it Liam's Hockey. Um, and uh, I'm still working on the screenplay for uh, for Goldie's book, uh, the book we released last April, almost a year ago now to the day. And uh, April 5th, we released it in Thunder Bay. It's hard to believe how fast a year's gone. But working, work, yeah, it really is. Uh, working on the screenplay uh, for the movie. I have a, um, a young lady here in uh, in Ottawa. She's a screenwriter. Her husband's... Um, a director and a producer, and uh, she's um, she's helping me a little bit with some of the formalities of how you act. I have no experience, but but I'm I'm trying to work on it a little bit uh, every day. And and uh, then there's um, some people may remember the name Tony McKegney. He was a pretty accomplished hockey player in the uh, '80s and '90s. He played over 900 games in the NHL. He scored over 300 Ranger. goals. Yeah, former New York Ranger. There you go. Absolutely. Quebec Nordique, St. Louis Blue. Uh, you know, he bounced around, played for a few teams, Rangers, you say, and 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 um, uh, outstanding junior. Uh, he played in the World Juniors. Played with Gretzky on that team. Canada got a bronze that year, and and. Uh, a pretty solid player. He's a fourth black player in NHL history. And he's been, um, for about the last six or seven months, has been working on his memoirs or his autobiography. And I've been I've been helping him. And we're at the point where it's getting very close to where we may kick it off formally. It's nothing formal to announce as of yet. But I have been working with him for the last few months uh, preparing for that day. So it's, uh, it's coming closer where we may... Uh, we may jump into a partnership here and uh, and and maybe uh, try and roll out his autobiography in a year's time or so. But uh, that's it, pal. You know, just uh, trying to keep busy otherwise and uh, and uh, keep the heart going a little bit and having the odd pint. You know, it's about it. Absolutely. Hey, uh, just think talking about Tony there real quick. When when was his last year? When did he retire? Um, ninety two. I want to say. Uh, he, he finished in uh, San Diego. I think they were in the uh, International Hockey League at that time. They won the championship down there. They had a hell of a team. And uh, I believe that was his last year pro, I want to say about 93. So he, he, he played about 14 years in the NHL. Uh, like I said, very solid. For anyone who remembers him, he had a very unique bow-legged uh, skating style. Uh, he's a pretty tough cat. He could handle himself. He fought a little bit. But uh, great hands. Like like I said, over three. He had a 40-goal season. He had two or three 30-goal seasons. He was pretty accomplished. He played with a played with a lot of Hall of Famers, and I, I've gotten to know him quite well here in the in the last little while. And and uh, he does have some really amazing stories. He he really does, and and certainly what he went through from a racism point of view, it's 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 pretty crazy. We take a lot of it for granted, you know, Paulie. We until you sit down and talk to some of those athletes, and that's even today. We know that, you know, we certainly know that whether it's Akima Lou or or, or some of these other ones, uh, and that's just more recent times. Imagine guys like Tony, who was playing junior in the 70s and, yep. and then turned pro, you know, uh, way back then, like 30. We're talking 40 years ago, so different world, and it's and it's still sadly somewhat similar today. But but guy like Willie O'Ree, you know, and before him, the Carnegie brothers and Manny McIntyre, and then obviously, uh, you know, guys like um, Alton White and, and uh, Bill Riley and these guys, uh, Tony McKegney, he's in that he's in that discussion. You know, he, he really is. He he came along at, and he was really the first guy to play regularly. To be honest, he was the first guy to step into the NHL and and play with any consistency on, over any 
length of time. Uh, not to diminish what the other guys did. They were trailblazers, every one of them. Every one of them had to deal with all sorts of uh, hardship and, and uh, racism. So you tip your hat to every single one of them. But, uh, but Tony's story is, I think, a little bit different in the sense that um, uh, year in and year out has one of the top six forwards on every team he was on for a decade and change. Uh, he had a little bit of a different role than the other guys, and and that did present some other challenges. So it's it's been fun getting to know him. He's a he's a character. I'll tell you that he's a character, and uh, we're having some fun. But uh, yeah, that could ratchet up here uh, in the next week or two, and might become a, a pretty significant project for me as well as a screenplay. So that's fantastic, man. Um, I always liked Tony when he was playing here down with the Rangers and stuff, and I always liked him as well. Just as just a you know, there's certain guys during, you know, you're, as, as a fan and you're watching teams throughout the years and certain guys that stand out more than anything for their character. That's a great name. And uh, send, send Tony our best here from all New York Ranger fans. Uh, it was a short stint, but it was good stuff. Yeah, I will, man. I'll, I'll let them know. I'll let them know. And I don't know of anybody who ever came to New York and didn't enjoy their time there. That, that's got to be a small list. So, but, uh, you know, and knowing him a little bit, my guess is he enjoyed his time there probably a lot. So I'm not saying he was Ron Dugay or anything, but the guy, <laughs> the guy liked to have a good time. So I think he probably did well, uh, but you know, he was a solid player and, uh, Tell you something else, Paulie. Next week too, as uh, we, we're gonna—I know you and I, our attentions are to hopefully continue to roll these out weekly. Is uh, there's a lot of stuff. There's still You've a lot got of nothing hockey. else to do, man. No, I, I know. Somebody to talk okay, well, to right, every I'm, week. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I just—you never know. Sometimes you know you make it's it tired. Therapy, of me, you never know. <laughs> but there's stuff on Twitter. For example, I got into a pretty good one. Um, you know, a few days ago, not a, a huge argument or anything, but we got talking about the the top fighters of all time in NHL history. And it's funny, I'm kind of doing a preface here to my story that I'm about to launch into. But, uh, you know, it was a real, it got in a real debate, you know, about Zidane Chara and, and where do you place Chara in that conversation? So, you know, as we roll these things out week to week, um, we should, um, when we, when we, when you and I chat or set it up, we should talk about, Hey, what'd you see? What'd you see on social media the last seven days that maybe we can bring to the podcast here and have a discussion about, because I won't get into it now. Cause we know we've got a little bit of time constraint at your end. And, and I definitely want to make sure we get to our Irish song too, cause it's a great story. <laughs> so I want to tell about that one, but, uh, I want to talk about Eddie Shore first. So, but I just want to plant that seed with you while we're taping this today, but, uh, let's keep that in mind as we roll uh, week to week. You pick stuff up on social media, as do I, and we can converse and see what uh, what maybe we should bring to uh, Sticks and Tops. Sounds good. And maybe you start yourself a TikTok account and do a bit of dancing for us. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about your moves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, too much. Hey, buddy, those videos you're doing are great. Maybe you throw some Elton John suits on while you're doing them, too, though. <laughs> <laughs> Spice it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I keep waiting for somebody to say something, you know. I, I, I'm surprised, actually. I'm four or five in. I haven't been criticized for, uh, in some way, shape, or form or something. But uh, ah, you know what? I am really great, liking I, I'm having a blast with those, you know? They're nice and short. I love the uh, – I kind of stole our idea with the Irish toast, as, as you've seen. And uh, right. I, My lawyers are they're on the phone to you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> That's good. They can get me at the Legion as soon as it opens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's uh i'm having a blast with it. i really are you know nice and short roll it out and you see anybody can go back and do a this day in hockey right like you can't you can go online anybody can but what i'm trying to do is is give you the rest of the story like you look at the one i did on doug hicks last night there aren't a lot of people in north america 
that would know that, that would be able to add the anecdotes that I did about him last night. So, you know, or, or some of the other little, I, 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 that's what I think I do, right? I mean, you and I have gotten to know each other. You know, that's where I hang my hat. So I, I, I think that's, um, that's a neat thing about it. That's why I'm really enjoying that part of it. Ah, it's awesome, man. It's great stuff. Everybody tuning in. I'm pushing it. It's, uh, it's absolutely great stuff. Maybe a, a masterpiece theater set where you're sitting in the chair <laughs> with a cigar and a, you know, a whiskey. I'm on a pipe. I'm on a pipe. I got a picture of my dad, my late father from, from Dublin, Ireland, Noel Patrick McGuire. They, him and my mom used to go to this place for brunch called Strathmere House. Probably about uh, 10 minutes, 12 minutes from our, our homestead there on the, on the Cars Road first line back in the day. And and the the woman who uh, ran it at that time, she absolutely fell in love with my dad. Just loved him. Loved he was from Ireland. Loved his accent. Loved his loved his attitude and everything else. So for her Christmas card that they sent out one year, they got my dad to to pose on this chair in front of a fireplace with an Irish setter. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's wearing his old Mackinac jacket there. Or, uh, excuse me, a uh, a beautiful um, beautiful tweed. Uh, beautiful tweed sports jacket, and uh, he always smoked a pipe anyway. Aaron Moore tobacco, of course, and and uh, he was sitting there with one leg up on the other, and the the uh, Irish setters there looking at him, and they snapped that, and they put that on the cover. So I don't know, maybe I can. <laughs> oh, buddy, you got to do it. Do you have a copy of that picture? You got to tweet it out, man. Yeah. I'd love to see it, man. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I, I'll tweet that out later and uh, <laughs> and tag you on it. And when you see it, man, you are gonna uh... you'll love. It. You'll love it. I can't wait. Good stuff, man. Good <laughs> stuff. There you go, man. You got you got some ideas. I just gave you some ideas, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good, buddy. You know, maybe I'll try and duplicate that shot sometime. Just put me up uh, beside Dad and see how it looks. <laughs> All right, buddy. So what do you got for us today on Sticks and Taps? A uh, little Liam NHL history storytelling. What do we got, buddy? Yeah, well, you know what, Polly is uh, the plan is, as you know, is to try and roll these stories out weekly. And uh, as we were setting it up coming in, I thought we'd talk about Eddie Shore and uh, and and about the night, November 23rd, 1929. Now, I'm going to have full disclosure on this right up front here with you that I have written about this before in uh, in my books, and, and I've certainly talked about it on the air quite a few times. And, and it's regarded historically by many, myself as well, that that was the night of Eddie Shore's erroneously, and, and, I, and I have to plead guilty on this too, I used to call it the five-fight night, right? That he had five fights that night in one game, which would be, to for all intent and purposes, an NHL record. No one as knows anybody or has ever heard of anybody else. And now for, you know, 30 years, 40 years almost, it was actually, I guess, 43 or 44 years since the rule came in. If you had a fourth fight, you were kicked out of the game. So five would be impossible. But, you know... I, I got to give you the background, okay? So I used to be a courier in the mid-1980s for a company called Crosstown Courier. And, and uh, I, I instituted a rule that every month that uh, the drivers, we need to have a driver meeting at a local establishment and drink heavily. So uh, then get rides home, of course, because it's legal to drink, drink and drive, as you know, Folly. So we'd all meet together at the place called the Prescott Hotel. And drinking in there regularly at that time was a man by the name of Arul Joliet. Uh, Rules Joliet's in the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame. He's a Stanley Cup winner with the Habs. He played on a line with Howie Morenz. He's a former Hart Trophy winner. He played on the top line in the NHL with Morenz and Billy Boucher for a couple of years. And 
before that, uh, Johnny Blackcat uh, Gan, or I should say after that, Johnny Blackcat Gagnon. So they, they were, he was a hell of a player. He lived until his mid eighties and, <clears throat> and a real character. And, and I drank with him a few times at the Prescott hotel. And the third or fourth time I was sitting in there, I remember it well, it was our Christmas meeting, 1985, around the middle of December. And I was talking to him about Sprague Claghorn. And he said, huh, Sprague Claghorn, Eddie Shore was 10 times tougher than Sprague Claghorn. I said, oh, okay. I, I mean, getting firsthand knowledge here, right? He played against these guys, so I'm going to take his word for it. And he said, do you know that Eddie Shore once fought five Montreal Maroons one night? I said, no way. Like, you got to remember, no internet in those days, Paulie, right? Yeah. So, you know, so um, I took him at his word and started researching the story. And I talked to a few guys after that. I I talked to the late Bill Cowley. I talked to Frank Finnegan, who played at that time as well. His number's retired by the Ottawa Senators, number eight. Uh, the current Ottawa Senators did it out to honor him. And and uh, Bill Cowley's one of the greatest sentiment of all time. Uh, they, these guys had intimate knowledge of Eddie Shore and of that night, even though they weren't there. And the story went that Shore did have five altercations. Now, the thing is, if you go to the game sheet, there wasn't even one fight called in the game. Just a bunch of minor penalties, 12 or 14 minor penalties, of which Shore got three or four. But the way it was in those days, Paulie, and this continued for years, and I've cited examples publicly about this, that you, you could punch guys in the head in those days and, and not get five-minute major. In some cases, you wouldn't get anything. It, it's just the way it was. So if you come back with me in time to that late November night, Saturday night in Montreal. Now, you got to remember, the Montreal Maroons are the Boston Bruins opposition this night, okay? okay. The Montreal Maroons and the Montreal Canadiens played in the NHL at the same time. Shared uh, forum ice. They, they both, in fact, the, the, the Montreal Forum was actually built originally for the Montreal Maroons. The Canadians were, had, had another arena, <clears throat> but, but they, they ended up using the Forum the first time because it had artificial ice and the Habs arena did not. And they, then they ended up both using the Forum because it had artificial ice. It was better rink and the schedule makers just had to make it that way. So, so that Saturday night, late November, the 23rd, 1929, the Boston Bruins were defending Stanley Cup champions with Eddie Shore as their linchpin. I mean, he was not only their, I mean, he was as good as any as, as their top line was offensively. And he was just absolutely ferocious physically. And the Montreal Maroons were Stanley Cup finalists just two years before. So you're talking about two good teams, okay, Paulie? These are these are two top teams, not just two sluggers here. They They, they were both very, very credible hockey teams. They just happen to be supremely tough as well gotcha now it's my it's my contention it's my contention as i said that the montreal maroons that night came into that game which was the fourth game of the season for uh for the boston bruins and they wanted to put shore on a stretcher they wanted him in a <laughs> hospital that night that, that that's the way i i see it now again as i said i have written before full disclosure here that this was um a five fight night for eddie shore what I'm going to say right now, as I'm saying it here on uh, in late March of 2020, in my opinion, and I will stand by this, is, is my contention that he was in five altercations that night. I don't care, you know, what he got called three or four penalties. He punched guys in the head. He speared guys. He butt ended guys, and everything he took, he took back twice. He was physically hurt. It's documented. 
that he was physically hurt on four occasions, was on the ice, down and out, and refused to leave the game until the very end. Now, the first guy to come at him was a guy named George Buck Boucher. Had over 800 penalty minutes in the NHL. There were four <laughs> Bouchers that played in the NHL. Got to remember, Paulie, this is in the era of, uh, of uh, you know, 24, 28, 30, 36-game season, okay? Yeah. So 800 penalty minutes, that'd be like 3,000 today, okay? Jeez. George Buck Boucher and Eddie Shore, that was came together. Now, whether that was where Shore got one of his penalties, but he got into it with Boucher, a thousand percent convinced in my mind that they traded punches and he gave as good as he got. But that was the first real run-in that he took. Where the game changed was with Hooley Smith. Reginald Hooley Smith was a borderline psycho, okay? (laughs) He came at shore and cross-checked him as humanly hard as he could in the head. As hard as he could. When when he came at him again, Shore was ready for him, and he pulled back and he smoked him with his stick. There was blood everywhere, okay? Now, as to whether that's when Eddie got another penalty or not, I don't know. But at that point, in my opinion, the Montreal Maroons said, he is dying tonight. <laughs> and they were going to do everything they could. Let me put it to you this way, Paulie, before I continue with the next three guys. Everybody formally involved with the game that night, from the trainer who had been working for uh, the Maroons for 27 years, the same age or was at that time, that's how long he'd been involved in hockey. The people who were in the game, the media that, were, that covered the game, that was the most violent game of hockey they'd ever seen in their life. Even Montreal fans who were in the rink were disgusted with their own team's antics. Wow. So now you got Shore has already gone Buck Boucher and Hooley Smith. In comes Dave Trotche. Okay, no relation to Brian. Dave Trotche comes in. Another absolute savage stick, uh, stick fast, okay? They butt end each other in the face and in the body and chop each other and punch each other so badly, so severely, that Trache went to the bench spitting up blood. And that's true. That's 100% documented. And he got knocked out of the game and got taken to the hospital where he had a hemorrhage and a collapsed lung oh, from Shore's butt end. Trache, boom, gone, hospital. Okay, that's three guys down, two more still to go. We're in the third period now. By the way, Eddie Shore has picked up two assists in the game so far. <laughs> the Bruins are winning the game. The Bruins are winning the game, and he's winning all the fights. So in comes Red Dutton. Mervyn Red Dutton. Okay. The year before Polly, Mervyn Red Dutton led the league in penalty minutes. Okay. Here, Mervyn Red Dutton is famous for two things. Three, if you want to include that year he led the league in penalty minutes. He later became the president of the NHL. He was a guy who was president from 43 to 47, right before Clarence Campbell. And he's also famous one time for playing in a game with the Montreal Maroons. And there was a delay in dropping the puck to start the game. And he was on defense and he screamed out. He said, forget about the puck to start the game. It's a true story. He just wanted to run somebody so badly and hit them and fight and just kill guys. Anyways, he, he, uh, he comes at shore next. 
and they get into it. And it's just it's just an absolute. Now, again, not knowing where Eddie got his penalties in the game. But you have to remember, the referees were two men named George Mallinson and Leo Heffernan. And they have been chastised historically for decades, but certainly none, never more so than back in the modern, excuse me, back right at that time. Uh, even the immediate aftermath of the game, they were chastised for how they handled the situation. Should have been so arrested. now he's into it. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, and, and, you know, if you turn the clock back, it's not more than 10 years, uh, less than 10 years before that, there were arrests right at the, right at the rink. So several players were actually arrested as soon as they either concluded playing or that night or the next day for their antics on the ice. It's just people have no idea, Paulie. If they knew what the games were like back then, you know, these these left wingers that watch some of the games today and cry anytime someone throws a dirty shot, they would curl into a little ball with their thumb in their mouth crying for their mama. They really would if, if they saw some of this stuff today. So now you got Red Dutton. This is the fourth altercation of the evening, of that Saturday night. But saving the best for last, or the worst, however you want to look at it. Shore is still not out of the game. Trache's already in the hospital. The Bruins are winning by one goal. It's about 90 seconds to play or two minutes, and in comes Cecil Babe Siebert. Okay? This guy was a combination of um, Vic Hadfield... Uh, if you give a uh, New York, a uh, uh, New York assessment on it. Yep. And I'm um, trying to think who else was just uh, put, put Dave Schultz and Vic Hadfield together. And you got babe Siebert because you got a talented guy, mm-hmm. very, very talented hockey player, but he just soon carve your eyes out or drop the glove <laughs> and go toe to toe and take it to the parking lot and take it to the hotel. No, no problem at all. Unbelievable left winger. One of the best left wingers in hockey history. Now where there is a gray area here, is what happened initially to start their altercation. What is known for sure is that something happened behind the net and Siebert crumpled and folded like an accordion. There was only one other guy around him, Polly, Eddie Shore. <laughs> and Siebert went down. And when he got up, the charge that he put into Eddie Shore is the only other one of the other things that's definitively known is that he hit Shore so high, so hard, and so viciously that it was the final blow on Eddie that night. And that's what ultimately knocked him out of the game. Now, after the Dutton um, altercation and before the Siebert one, they had to stop the game and bring out the scrapers to scrape the blood off the (sighs) ice. No Zambonis in those days, and they had to scrape the blood off the ice and hold up the game. So the game ended with Siebert going to the hospital as well. Trotche already there and uh, Eddie Shore joining them. So it was mission accomplished, but he took two of them with him. And Eddie Shore's, uh, he had a broken nose. He lost four teeth. Both his eyes were black. He had a cut on the nose uh, for where it was broken, obviously. He had a massive gash on his cheekbone and he had a concussion. And uh, Trache was in with a collapsed lung, and uh, and uh, Siebert was in with an assortment of, uh, of of injuries as well. Now, <clears throat> the final step of the story: um, absolutely everybody involved in the game admonished like nobody's business the next day. And then for the next period, the te- same two teams were playing 48 hours later. Oh my! 
in Boston. So, and, and the Bruins said, we'll have a nice reception waiting for these Maroons. So you can imagine Frank Calder, the president of the league. He sent Cooper Smeaton, his most senior referee, sent Mallinson from, from the same game. And they read the riot act to both teams. Eddie Shore did not play. He missed that game. Wow. When he did come back, and this is the final piece, Polly, the owner of the Boston Bruins was a man named Charles Adams at that time. He was so pissed off that there was no follow-up um, in, in terms of suspensions or fines to those maroon players that he, he held up the start of the next home game that Eddie Shore played, called Eddie to center ice, and presented him a check for $500. He got, this is 1929. Yeah. $500. And he said, Shore, Eddie, this is for every facial, $100 for every facial scar that you, that you uh, picked up in that game. And he gave him that check. And Eddie went and cashed the check, got the 500 cash, and went and shared it with his teammates. And they had a big party. Who knows how many pints that bought oh, wow. them. But uh, that's, that's what he did. And, and yeah, I'll concede for sure. Uh, you know, I got a little bit caught up in, after talking to Aurel Joliet uh, 35 years ago uh, about that night and researching it. For sure, Eddie did not drop the gloves five times and have five fighting majors. That is now, you know, we know that now for years, being able to check the game sheets. I knew that a few years after, obviously. I went to the microfilm and looked it up. But it's my contention, and I will maintain this. Uh, on my rep as a hockey historian, I'm going with this, that he had those five altercations with five legends. Those guys are five Legends, George Buck Boucher, Dave Trotche, Reginald Hooley Smith, Mervyn Red Dutton, and uh, Cecil Babe Siebert are all legends. Ferocity and toughness as long as well as skill and talent. And you're, you're talking some Hall of Famers. You're talking Stanley Cup winners. So Eddie Shore took them all on that night, man. And you want to talk about where the reputation, I mean, he had it going in. But if it, if it was ever cemented, it was Saturday night in Montreal, November 23rd, 1929. That's as far as uh, as I'll go on that. And I, I think he uh, deserves every accolade that he got in terms of his legendary toughness. Unbelievable. Hold on. I have to take off my goalie mask because I had to wear it while I was listening to all those. <laughs> <laughs> the brutality. Oh, man. I mean, and that, that's just raw stuff back then, you know. I mean, just listening to it and, um, you know, just, you know, I'm, you know you, I don't know about for me, I, I I envision everything in black and white. You know, when you're telling that story, obviously from back in that time, you know, and just thinking of the old wooden sticks and the and the old skates they were wearing and everything else, and just to to imagine the brutality and then and, you know the physicalness of the game back then and and around you know the the beauty of the game, which is you know scoring and everything else. And you do you mentioned the uh, the Hall of Famers and uh, you know the 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 two historic teams, obviously, in, in that time, you know. Uh, so far away from the modern game right now, and it's just amazing to to listen to it and then envision it. And and Liam, just to ask you real quick, you can't can you can you go to like because I would love to see the other pictures from from the from that game or no? From, there's no? there's there's a picture of the next game in Boston and and um, with Cooper Smeaton and uh, both. It's a really neat shot if you if you can. I may be able to find it, and maybe post it, but all the players are gathered at center ice. The Bruins are on one side and the Maroons are on the other. And Cooper Smeaton is reading the riot act to them. The Maroons won that game 6-1. And there were 12 penalties, or I think six minors in the game for 12 minutes. And, and it was pretty tame by all accounts. Shore didn't play. 
But all the other guys played on the Maroon side, I think, except for Trottier. I, I don't know if he played or not. But, you know, just on Trottier again, and I'm, I'm just reading it here now, Paulie. This is a direct quote, okay, from the next day from a reporter that was in the rink. When Trottier hit shore with a stick, it was a force with a blow of the stick that would have felled an ox. <laughs> that's, that's how the reporter wrote it. You know, Shore was down four times, you know. Um, uh, the heinous assault was carried out under the eyes of referee Leo Heffernan, and he did not even make a comment to the attacker. It is hard to believe that the blow was accidentally struck. <laughs> <laughs> that's from the, one of the reporters in the rink. That's so, amazing. You know, I mean, amazing. say what you want. I, I get, I get now where, where the, the, the technical guys and the guys want to go and say, well, there weren't five fighting majors, you know. Well, I always cite the example of Brian Conacher when he, he accidentally cut Bobby Orr in a game in 67. And the entire Bruin team, literally, it, literally, that second came over the boards, okay, the entire team. And, of course, the Leafs emptied the bench. It was a full-on brawl. And Brian Conacher was in four separate fights that game. It actually, it had, a, uh, in my view, a defining impact on his career. I don't know if he was ever the same after that game. Every single Bruin that could get a shot at him took a shot, and he fought for his life, really. And he was never really the same after that, in my opinion. He says he cut Orr accidentally. You know, whether he did or didn't, he paid the ultimate price for it that night. Well, guess what, Polly? He's not listed as having four fights that night. So... Oh. You know, I mean, and that was a regular season game. It, was an, it wasn't an exhibition game. It was a legit game, regular season, Boston Bruins, Toronto Maple Leafs. So November 23rd, 1929, Eddie Shore made history. He had five altercations. I don't care he didn't get a fighting major. I, I don't care. The, the, the documented proof of his, of his encounters with those five men is there, and I'm standing by it. That's oh, good stuff, man. It's a great story. That's my birthday, November 23rd. That's You're kidding. What, yeah. You love those anomaly things, don't you? <laughs> I love that stuff, man. Yeah, it's the day after the Kennedy assassination, 63. And, of course, it's uh, Yvonne Cornway's birthday, November 22nd as well. He's my favorite player of all time. So there you go. Your day after him, brother. It's all good stuff. Well, that's great. So I want to look that stuff up. I'd love to just see if – even just to look at some of the uh, the old pictures of those guys just to kind of put some – see, I'll see what I can find. And when you post it up later, I'll throw some pictures underneath the link there if anybody wants to see them. All right. Good stuff. All right, Patty. As we always end the show here now at Sticks and Taps, we're going to do a little uh, ode to some of the great Irish traditional songs. And we're we're continually to hang on to to one of the best, the all-time greats, the Clancy Brothers. So, Liam, yeah. I'm going to let you set it up here. <laughs> Give us a toast of the week as we ride things off with a song from the Clancy Brothers. What are we doing today? Well, absolutely, Paulie. There'll probably be a trend here for a while as I stick to their music. Uh, I'm so, so weaned on them, and their their songs are so ingrained in my in my heart and in my mind and through my late father. But we're going with a song called The Holy Ground today. And uh, The Holy Ground, now, you have to know um, the, the, uh, the town, uh, the county Cork, all right? There's a town called Cove. Now, it's spelt in Irish Gaelic, C-O-B-H, but it's pronounced Cove. And it's a tourist town on the south coast of County Cork, and absolutely Beautiful, beautiful part of the country. And as you can imagine, with so many seagoing men coming and going, using that port for decades, the sea shanties, as they were called, lent a lot to the, um, to the origin of many of the songs. And this song, 
sort of emerged over time as being uh, sang by the men when they were at sea until they could get back into port. Now, I just want to say historically that the port of Cove is, uh, is that's where thousands, countless hundreds of thousands of Irish immigrated from Polly and came to North America, whether it be the famine, whether it be the poverty, whether it be the uh, oppression, hundreds of thousands left from that coast, including something that's got a direct correlation to New York and Ellis Island. And at Ellis Island, and I have not seen it, and I don't know if you have, but there's a statue there of a woman, Anne Moore, and her two youngest brothers who left Cove, uh, the port of Cove, in 1891 and came to Ellis Island as part of the massive Irish immigration that had been going on for several decades at that time. And they put up a statue in her honor and memory at Ellis Island. And there's one in Cove as well, ironically. So uh, I just think that's pretty neat. And by the way, a last little historical thing. Uh, the last port that the infamous, sadly for its accident, the Titanic was in before it attempted to cross the Atlantic Ocean was the Port of Cove off the south coast of County Cork. So there you go. It was uh, a seagoing port, to say the least. The Holy Ground, a song made famous by the Clancy Brothers, is said to refer to, obviously, the, the island, the country of Ireland. But, Polly, in keeping with a theme that occasionally comes up on our show. Okay. It also... <laughs> Not really, but I'm putting it out there. It's also it's also said in some instances or circles refer to a, spe a specific part of Cove, and that would be more formally known as the red light district. And when you when you hear um, the last verse, uh, the last couple verses, I think it'll probably shed some light on the fact that the men were not only anxious to get back in and impart on their drinking but also to uh, see the ladies, shall we say. <laughs> so The Holy Ground is, uh, is an absolutely raucous song sung by the Clancy Brothers, one of my favorites. Uh, we screamed it out at the top of our lungs at the old Dublin in Montreal with Brendan Nolan in the mid-'80s with me and the boys many, many a night. And uh, we're going to play it for you now as we go out here, a couple of verses of it. And there's the history of it. And uh, it's a great tune. Enjoy. And uh, there's the history of Eddie Shore's most violent night in the NHL. Great stuff, Liam. All right, we'll break into the song midway. We'll take it to the end. We'll say goodbye to everybody. Here we go. The Clancy Brothers. Holy ground. We will. 
Fine girl you are. Fine girl you are indeed now. <laughs> well, you know what they were referencing, and uh, they were looking forward to seeing some fine girls when they got back. But I, I love that last verse. It's, uh, it's a classic. If you can't join in on that chorus and get going on that one and get a couple whiskeys in you, you never will. That's great stuff, man. Love it, Liam. Another great episode with your buddy. Great uh, catching up. And uh, to everybody out there listening, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, tell people about the archives. We'll keep doing this. We'll be back here next week. And, uh, Liam, uh, the videos are on LinkedIn, right, on your LinkedIn account? LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, and uh, pretty easy to find. You can dig it up uh, pretty easy, and uh, I've been doing them daily. They're not very long, 10 or 12 minutes, but having a lot of fun with it. All right. Get some costumes there and get that chair, man. I want to see that picture of your dad, too, all right? <laughs> I'll send you that one, yeah. I'll post it up. All right. Thanks for listening to uh, Sticks and Taps. Liam, say goodbye to the folks. G'day. <laughs>